This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hola, Latino USA listener. Here's a show de los archivos. This is me. So I, my entry point to it was Ginger Rogers. But really, this is my legacy. This art form is my legacy. From Futuro Media and PRX, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, Ayodele Cassel, the decorated Afro-Latinx tap dancer, is going to tell us how tap dancing is part of her legacy. For Ayodele Cassel, tap dancing is not just a series of steps. For her, it's magic. It's when she feels the most free and able to connect to her cultural heritage. The Bronx native was born to a Puerto Rican mother and a Black father, and at a young age, she discovered tap through the silver screen, transfixed by Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. She started recreating their moves in her bedroom. But it wasn't until she was a sophomore at the NYU Tisch School of the Arts that she took her first tap dancing class. She was an acting major at the time, but that class changed the course of her life, and she's been tap dancing pretty much nonstop for the last 26 years. Since then, she's received a number of accolades and awards, Despite the field being dominated by male dancers, Ayodele was the first woman to be invited to dance for Savion Glover's Not Your Ordinary Tap Dancers group and performed in places like the White House, Radio City Music Hall, and Carnegie Hall. Her work calls attention to how tap dancing is an expression of identity, culture, language, and communication, and also the forgotten history of Black tap dancers. On today's episode of How I Made It, Ayodele discusses the Black roots of tap dancing and her own journey into the art form. Here's Ayodele Cassell. My name is Ayodele Cassell. I am a tap dancer, choreographer, actor, lover of Tesla, and steak. My name means joy has arrived. And it is Nigerian, Yoruba. My father named me. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I am a native New Yorker, proud Bronx native. When I was nine, my mom sent me to Puerto Rico to live with my grandparents. What I do remember the most, uh, at least for that initial landing, was feeling like, how am I going to communicate? I didn't speak the language at all. I knew one word. I knew how to say hola, and that was it. My grandparents didn't speak English that well. And my grandmother would teach me with like a letter stencil. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. One thing at a time. While I remember struggling with the language, there was a seamless transition of when you just 
are speaking it fluently. And I was there till I was 15. I was supposed to be there for one year and ended up being six. At the age of 17, I was a senior in high school. My English teacher, she started a course called History of the Movies. That's when I first saw Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. You know, I think I was in love with you then, Huck. I know you were. This world that seemed really interesting to me. Like, I thought Fred and Ginger were like magic, so graceful. And they had such great chemistry. It was just like, it was beautiful to watch. There's something in the format of a musical that is sort of fantastical. And as somebody who just did not grow up seeing that, it was really intriguing. And then, of course, tap dancing, if you don't know what goes into it, it is a little bit like magic. It's like you see people like moving their feet and all of these sounds are coming out. I just wanted to like be able to move my feet in the way that they did. And I remember like I would go home after school and I'd go to the library to like rent their movies and I would just close the door and try to move like they were. What if I could do that? What if I could be Ginger? Fully knowing that there's no way that this Black and Puerto Rican girl was going to ever be considered anything like Ginger Rogers because I didn't see people like me who were on screen like that, especially during those 30s and 40s and 50s. So I remember just sort of that being a fantasy. And then I was an acting major at NYU. And my sophomore year, they offered two movement classes that the actors had to take. And it was tap dancing and tai chi. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, like, finally, this is going to be my chance to really get to move my feet in the way that I saw Ginger Rogers doing. So I signed up for tap immediately. And I even got like some shoes that looked like one of her shoes in the movie. I went to pay less shoe source because, you know, dance school has cheesy shoes. (laughs) I got these really cool like heel suede shoes and I got them tapped up. And I felt like I walked into my first class in style. And I was so happy to do my first shuffle. I was living my life. About a year after that, I met someone who was a freshman and he was actually a real hoofer. His name is Bakari Wilder. He was like, yeah, you tap dance? I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, we should go jam. I was like, yeah, let's go jam. He took me to that studio and I'm putting up my shoes with my shuffle hop step for lap ball change. Just all of the joy and the spirit in the world. As I'm lacing up, he starts to warm up. I heard him go, I had never heard that, ever. <laughs> I had heard, the deep to that, the deep to that, the deep to that. So I realized very quickly that I did not know what I was doing. It was a really uh, formative time and really impactful because he was like, oh, wait a minute, you know Gregory Hines, right? And I was like, no, I don't know him. Do you know like Sammy Davis Jr.? I'm like, God, I don't know. The Nicholas Brothers? No. He said, tap dancing is not just a series of steps and it's not combinations that you do in in dance class. This is a real form of expression. He goes, it comes from you. He's like, you don't even need music. He taught me that this art form was really rooted in the history of Black people in this country, that it is my legacy. I think this art form of tap dancing speaks really directly to the history of this country and lands squarely at the intersection of race and gender and appropriation. When we talk about the development of 
the slave codes of 1740, for example, born out of the rebellion, that Black people in this country, they knew rhythm. They were so connected to their power in that way that they could start revolts across plantations through communicating with specific rhythms. And so when that was discovered, laws were enacted in this country to basically ban them. What I love about that story, even though it's completely steeped in oppression and dehumanization, is that the spirit of a human being and the spirit of Black people, that what happens when somebody attempts to take away your mode of expression and to take away your instrument, you find another way. You're not going to give me a drum where I can make sound with my feet. I can make sound with my body. I can make sound with my hands. The one thing you learn very quickly as a tap dance student is that it thrives on your individual expression. If I could describe it for somebody who doesn't do it, is like if you have an impulse and then naturally something starts to build and you get ideas that are in rhythm form and your feet are able to communicate that. So we have steps that have a different number of notes. For example, a step is just one note. A shuffle has two sounds, shuffle, one, two. A cramp roll has four sounds, it starts to boil up into a rhythmic pattern. And it's influenced by really your upbringing. I grew up listening to Hector Lavo, to Ray Barreto, and I grew up listening to Orestes Bilato and Fania All-Stars. And I also grew up in the 90s, which is like the height of hip-hop. Everything that has entered your ear has become part of your makeup is available to you when you get this impulse to move. So if I have... And then I can go on and on and on. But all of these things just live there <laughs> and they are available to you to come out in whichever way that you so choose. I think it was the beginning of a journey of really getting to know myself as a human being. But what made me think I can do this forever as a career was when I saw Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk at the Public Theater in 95. Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Funk basically told the history of Black people in this country through tap dancing from the Middle Passage all the way through current times. It was revolutionary because it was the first time that tap dancing was seen and heard in a way that was not common. Like the way that we think of tap dancing as like time steps and everybody in unison with arm choreography, kind of like 42nd Street type thing. It was really a true, authentic representation of how the form was living in America. And when I went to that show and I saw young Black actors, young Black tap dancers, really on stage, like having a story that was told through them at a theater that was around the corner from my school. That's when I thought, oh, I want to do that. And not only do I want to do that, but I want to do it to the best of my ability and I want to dance with the best. And that is when I first saw a way to do this long-term. When I started to dance professionally, and I happened to come up at a time when the focus was on a lot of young men. 
the audience members at the end of the show would say to me, I did not know that women tap dance. Or they'd be like, you girl, you dance like a man. They would say this as though they were giving me compliments. So it was that moment of constantly hearing other people say those things that made me look for the women that look like me. Because I knew about Ginger Rogers and Eleanor Powell and Ruby Keeler, and I knew about all those women, but I didn't know of Jenny Lagan. I did not know of Lois Bright. I did not know about Juanita Pitts. I started to call out these names just as I was learning them. And I would just say Cora Lared, Juanita Pitts, Louise Madison. I feel like I can't change the past. What I can do is I can bring them into my experience so that when people see me tap dance, they understand that I didn't just get plopped here and there is a legacy of women behind me who were doing it and who should be named and recognized. It has become a practice for me over the last 25 years. I hold them with me anytime that I'm dancing. And then we can talk about appropriation, how a lot of the white dancers were voyeuristic in these Black communities and taking their work and performing it while Black people did not have the right and ability to perform themselves. Even when we talk about the silver screen, we know Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, and we celebrate Fred Astaire very easily, but we don't know that one of his teachers was John Bubbles, who was a Black dancer, who actually revolutionized the art form by dropping his heels into the ground and allowing more notes to be played with his feet. We don't know about Jenny Lagan, the Black tap dancer, who was actually the first Black woman to dance with Bill Robinson, who was a huge star at the time. But we know Shirley Temple. We know Sammy Davis Jr. and Jimmy Slide and Buster Brown and Chuck Green and all wonderful, beautiful tap dancers. But we don't know the women that were their contemporaries, their colleagues, who were also trying to work in the same way. One of my missions is to really transform the way people view tap dancing. So I'm happy that Chasing Magic kind of allowed that window into that. We were invited by Aaron Maddox at the Joyce Theater. Aaron reached out and said, hey, do you want to do something for our virtual season? And I was like, I haven't seen any of my friends. And I thought, well, how are we going to do this? I sent tapes just video recordings of some choreography. And we had one day of rehearsal and then two days of actual shooting. And that was it. So (laughs) it came together like magic, actually, very quickly. But because we had really wonderful, committed and focused and generous dancers, we made it happen. In Chasing Magic, you'll see solos, duets, trios. You'll see full group numbers. You're going to see numbers that are a cappella. Numbers that swing. Latin jazz. You're going to hear an African 6-8 rhythm. Just done with our feet. We're going to dance to a soft shoe and a waltz and we're going to like really hit it hard. What I'm trying to do is just show really the depth of the art form and how much we can accomplish with just two pieces of metal on our feet. I think Chasing Magic is a celebration of collaboration, friendship, art, life, (laughs) honoring our experiences, honoring our history, and just like how all those elements sort of come together to really create these little magical moments. I've read a lot of things lately about ageism and dance. 
And one of the things that I'm really inspired by about tap dancing is that we dance until we no longer can, whether you're into your 80s or your 90s. I grew up knowing that the older you get, the better you get. And so I've never felt like, oh, I got to get make sure that I get all my things before I'm 30 or before I'm 40. I feel like tap dancing is one of those art forms that it's like wine. You get better with age. I think one of the things that I have been building towards now is amplifying the message. What I've been working so diligently and so many of my peers is for people to understand that tap dancing is more than entertainment, that tap dancing is more than just people dancing in unison. I want people to know that tap dancing is a really sophisticated and beautiful expression, musical expression. It thrives off of music and freedom. You're connected to something else that nobody can really take away from you. Ayodele hopes to keep expanding people's understanding of tap dancing. She wants to bring the art form to a larger audience. And she's got a big project that's coming up now. She's one of the tap choreographers for the Broadway revival of Funny Girl. This episode was produced by Maria Esquinca and edited by Mitra Bonshahi. It was mixed by Gabriela Baez. The Latino USA team includes Andrea Lopez Cruzado, Marta Martinez, Daisy Contreras, Mike Sargent, Victoria Estrada, Reynaldo Leaños Jr., Patricia Zulbaran, and Julia Rocha with help from Raul Perez. Our editorial director is Fernanda Santos. Our director of engineering is Stephanie LeBeau. Our senior engineer is Julia Caruso. Our associate engineer is JJ Carubin. Our marketing manager is Luis Luna. Our New York Women's Foundation fellow is Elizabeth Lowenthal Torres. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And meantime, look for us on all of your social media. And remember, always, no te vayas. Latino USA is made possible in part by the Heising Simons Foundation. Unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. The Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. And New York Women's Foundation. The New York Women's Foundation, funding women leaders that build solutions in their communities and celebrating 30 years of radical generosity. I've rarely stretched and it's, I, I'm not proud of that. And whoever's listening and wants to be a tap dancer, don't take that advice. Please stretch <laughs> and roll. From P.